Welcome to the PM Power Podcast, where Darren Hunter from Inspired Growth Training interviews some of the world's best property management experts to give you real solutions to the biggest issues property managers struggle with everywhere. For 25 ways to control office interruptions so you can slam through more tasks faster, go to pmpowerkeys.com. Hi everyone, Darren Hunter here. Before we get into our podcast, just want to do a quick shout out for Inspection Manager. What an amazing inspection app platform that they have. And they're really excited at the moment with their tenant assisted routine inspections, where your tenants in the convenience of their own time frame and in the convenience of their rental property, they can be getting you through the app inspections, um, their own inspection or their own photos that they've done. Now this is going to help you particularly if you're in lockdown, but what we've also found as businesses have come out of lockdown, um, they've found that perhaps they can do maybe one or even two of these inspections a year aside from scheduling their normal routine inspections. The next step really, go and have a demo, have a look for yourself and make a decision where this could actually work for you too. So go to inspectionmanager.com, request a demo and check it out. Hang on, let me move this. Hi everyone, it is Darren Hunter here from Inspired Growth Training and this is the PM Power podcast show. We have a very special guest, Linda Galaboska all the way from Right Choice Real Estate, which is based in Shell Harbour in the Illawarra in New South Wales, which is just south of Sydney. In fact, close to where Dennis lived, uh, Linda. And um, 27 years you've got in property management. Oh, my goodness me. I know. Crazy, right? <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon you've seen a few things in your time, haven't you? Um, I but- sure have. Before we get into it, um, I just want to give um, uh, just a quick uh, mention. Make sure you get your book. We've just released it. This is um, 101 Time and Stress Management Tips. Um, my best stuff from my 30 years in my career, just go to pmpowerkeys.com. Now, look, the book is free. Um, all we ask is you just pay for postage and it's yours. Um, and also, while you're there, don't forget to get our 25 ways to... Uh, eliminate or um, stop interruptions in the office so you can get your stuff done. So go to pmpowerkeys.com for that. Now, Linda is one of our very dear, very special inner circle members. So if you're not already part of the inner circle, just go to our IGT Inspire Growth Training Facebook page, go to join group or just go to the IGT inner circle. There are three questions that you need to answer. If you don't answer the three questions, Uncle Dennis will not let you in. Um, but uh, um, we'd love to get you as part of our IGT Inner Circle course. Linda um, and a lot of other well-experienced property managers are part of this group. But Linda, let's have a bit of a talk. 27 years in property management. There are not too many people out there that can boast that. I know. So initially I started in public housing. So I worked for the Illawarra Community Housing Trust and um, that was certainly an eye-opener to the industry because I actually did think that I could save the world and, and teach people um, that, like how to pay 25% of their income as rent. But then I realised that, in fact, I was up against um, 
all of their other priorities and rent certainly wasn't one of those. What are those other priorities, Linda? They felt that their drug addiction, their alcohol addiction, their tobacco addiction, many addictions came way before paying 25% of their income. Yeah, I agree. I mean, government housing, they only had to, in your case, they paid 25% of their income. But even still, you know, low rent doesn't mean the rent's going to get paid if, uh, I say, where the vice is getting the way. And, uh, and that's, that's another story. That's we do actually have a podcast episode um, about dealing with our serial late rent offenders. Um, that will mm -hmm. be coming up if, uh, if you haven't already seen it. It should already be published, though, at the point of doing um, this, um, this release of this podcast. Look out for serial late rent offenders. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about doing um, routine inspections. And we'll look, we, we, Linda and I discussed, we don't want this to be an ABC, how to do routines. We don't want to teach property managers how to suck eggs. But what we do want to do is talk about some of the issues that we can struggle with from time to time. We're getting routine inspections done. And, um, and Linda, one of the, the favorite things I like to say when I get up, when I'm teaching, you know, fee maximization or charging for routines or whatever, I mean, how long does a routine inspection take? What's your answer to that? Well, I think a routine inspection takes anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes to yep. be quite thorough. Yep. Um, Particularly when I we like it. it really depends as well, because New South Wales and Victoria are typically two routine a year states, whereas South Australia, yep. Queensland, um, Western Australia, I think Northern Territory, and of course, Tasmania are four inspection a year. Typically, that's the accepted norm yep. industry. New Zealand is four inspections a year because of their insurance implications. They're actually obligated to do them four times a year from an insurance point of view. The Americans, when I do business health checks work there, um, they're anywhere from two to one a year. Um, so, you know, different expectations there. And you said that routines generally take about 15 to 20 minutes, but then if we had booking time, drive time, doing all the work that's generated because we simply showed our face up at the property, checking the report, getting off to the owner, it can easily turn into an hour. So these Absolutely. things do take up a lot of time. Um, and I think, I think what we'd like to say, this is my opinion, and we're going to talk about the issues and the complications that we've got to be careful of at routines, um, is um, around what is the purpose of a routine. And Linda, we're going to talk about this today. Because I'd like to say off the bat, to me, the purpose of a routine inspection is getting the tenancy, safe, tenancy safely to a good quality final inspection. And Absolutely. the routine is, is part of that. And, and so, you know, let's talk about these routine inspections. So, Linda, um, you and I decided to do this topic. I, I mean, obviously, I want you on the show because you're really good at property management. But we decided on routine inspections out of a chat that we both were involved with in our Facebook group around if a tenant, you know, we find a property's a bit dirty around the edges, what should we do? And a lot of people say, well, I'll worry about it, the final inspection. But you and I spoke up and said, well, hang on, no. So we're doing a final inspection, Linda. Um, let's just say the walls are a bit grubby, you know, a bit dirty from fingerprints and, you know, around light switches and downsides of doors and downsides of doorways. And, you know, that the, the bathroom's getting dirty and there's some soap scum on the tiles and, you know, the toilet's a bit dirty and we've got a lot of cobwebs everywhere and it's no big deal dirt. Mm -hmm. um, the, the carpets are looking dirty. Um, you know, Linda, let's talk about this. So, um, 
do we leave it to a file inspection? What's your thing? Not a chance. Absolutely not. Because okay, so they're aware that you're coming for the routine inspection because no matter what state you're in, you actually have to provide notice to the tenant to say, hey, I'm coming this day between this time and this time. So I think, and we actually send a checklist of, of what we will be inspecting to our um, tenants because we don't want to attend and then be like, surprise, today I'm here to check your oven. Um, and we don't want it to be an overwhelming process for our tenants either because we all need to work together to make sure that the outcome is, is the outcome that we need to accomplish. So what I think is if they haven't actually attended to any of the, the property only needs to be reasonably clean. We all understand that but it still needs to be reasonably clean. So whilst I can't tell a tenant that they have to fold their washing, for example, or wash their dishes, what I can tell them is that the bench space has to be clear from dishes so that I can inspect that to ensure that there's no burns or, or chips or whatever it may be. And I also need to be able to inspect the carpeted areas. So I don't care if they haven't folded their clothes, so to speak, Put them on the bed. I'm not there to judge their actual living standards, but I am there to protect the owner's investment at the end of the day. Oh, I agree. I, I remember some years ago, um, a in, in a post, the property manager said, "You know what? What I let tenants know because if I, she says if I have a tenant that says, look, what standard should the routine inspection be?' The property manager's response: just pretend that the queen is coming." And she expects this really, really high level. So, you know, the window tracks all need to be clean. The, the place needs to be practically polished. Or, you know, these property managers, they get upset at the tenant that the dishes haven't been done. The bed hasn't been made. All of this sort of stuff. And I guess, you know, we've got to be very careful because, yes, the tenant only generally has to leave a property reasonably clean. We do have to have a reasonable level about this. But... Um, as property managers, we need to be careful that if we're going to point anything out, we really have to have a good reason behind it of how it can affect the property. And so Absolutely. if it affects the property, we've got to speak up. But if it yeah. doesn't affect the property, then, you know, it you've really got to be careful around that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and with that, so now let's talk about, you know, the dirtiness of the property. Let's talk about the walls being dirty or the finger marks on the doors and the doorways and the, the cobweb up around the house and that sort of thing. Why is that an issue, Linda? Because if that's there now at this routine inspection and they're not doing anything about it, to you know to to clean it to remove it then come the next inspection it will be that double then so on and then the final inspection that should be um the whole purpose of having routine inspections obviously is to make sure that the in-between has been dealt with so that then the vacate inspection won't it won't be compromised like it won't be as bad so then that way you're you're not going in and, and having to, um, you know, get professional cleaners in and whatnot. Your tenants can, can control that throughout the actual tenancy. That's the sole purpose of having routine inspections. Otherwise, we will just have an initial ingoing report and then an exit report. Yeah, and, and I, I like to look at it this way too because this discussion comes up in the Facebook groups, you know, how clean should the property be? This is what you need to keep in mind. 
Mm -hmm. If the tenant absconded tomorrow and took off, did their moonlight flit or, you know, shot through whatever term you want to give it and suddenly vacated, well, they're going to leave it as, as they leave it. As it was. As it was. As at that point in time, plus they're going to leave rubbish or trash. They're going to leave all of that there. They're going to leave anything not of value, only take what is valuable to them, their furniture likely. But here is the deal. I have never, ever had a situation, Linda, where Mm -hmm. a tenant has absconded where the rent was paid up to date and the rent wasn't a factor or an issue behind them absconding. People shooting through and abandoning a property is always because of a rent arrears issue. It's looming and they're escaping before a victim. And so we've got to understand is that when a tenant shoots through and they leave a property in a certain state, the bond or the security deposit, depending on whether Australia, New Zealand or United States, whatever you call it, it's going to be gone, baby. And so mm-hmm. if we've been forgiven, you know, forgiving of the dirt and the build-up and the grubbiness and the dirtiness and the soap scum and the dirty carpets, because, hey, you know, it's not hurting the property now. We'll just get the tenant to deal with it at the final. Well, guess what, people? You may not get to a final. You might be yeah. cleaning up that property well and truly before. So you've got to keep that in mind. And that comes down to also, it depends on what type of properties you're dealing with. Linda, I, I, and, and like you, you dealt with government housing. I dealt with government housing areas that had private housing in it where property investors had bought these ex-government housing. And so we can deal with lower socioeconomic areas and lower socioeconomic areas have car cars that you know a piece of crap that that breaks down and it's too expensive to fix the piece of crap so they go and buy another piece of crap that piece of, and so you get these car bodies as well well they need to go because Absolutely. you know we can't have unregistered vehicles on the property and again comes back to if the tenant shot through tomorrow what are they going to do for us to clean up yeah. and so that's the way we've got to think when it comes to making a decision, do I ask the tenant to do this or not? Of course, does it affect the property or not as well? So mm-hmm. um, other than that, of course, we need to, um, for a final inspection, we need to get that tenant through to home base because it is home base. You know, let's just see yep. routine inspection one, two, and three, or lease renewals one, two, and three as base one, two, and three. But home Absolutely. base is the final. And yep. we want that tenant to leave the property in a reasonable um, it reasonably clean, of course, you know, that, that's, um, it, that reasonable is up for debate as well, but mm-hmm. we want it less fair, you know, left as it is, as they found it less fair wear and tear. And so right. we are complicating the issue by allowing things to build up because um, here's another thing, Linda, and, and I don't mean to take over on this, but mm-hmm. when a tenant moves house, here is another factor that people ever, I want you to think about. Um, Linda, have you ever wondered, you know, how many final inspections have you done where the tenant did a, excuse the term, half-assed job? Mm-hmm. A, a I would lot. say nine out of 10. Yeah, <laughs> because people listen to this. This is, it, it took me a while to work this out. This is why. Yeah. When a tenant is moving out of a house, they're at the end of the chapter of that, of that, that part of their life. Mm-hmm. They're want to move on to the new chapter and then new and they they go and find another property elsewhere whether it's a the property they've bought or it's another rental property this represents the next exciting episode or chapter in their life 
Mm-hmm. And so their energy, their dreams, their goals, their, 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 their enthusiasm is now transferred to this new property when they've secured it, though they're still living in the last one. Correct. And then they physically, so they're emotionally and mentally in their new house, but they're still physically in the old one. So then they move and all their energy, their physical energy. I mean, moving is, is a, is exhausting experience. Absolutely. You know, all the packing um, and then getting all your goods out. If you're using a removalist or doing it yourself, you've got all of that. It's still exhausting. Even moving yourself, of course, is very exhausting. Moving all that stuff in. But we've also used all our money and we're now broke getting into this other house. So we need that bond back or security deposit back. Mm-hmm. And now we have to go back and, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, let's just say I'm the tenant. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And I, I want to, I just want to shut the door on this, this, this last chapter and then this last house. But now I have to go back and clean that effing property because I need mm-hmm. my bond or security deposit back. And so this is what we're wrestling with people is this is why we get this half-assed job because they just don't want to do it. So this is where you actually need to educate your tenants and pick up the phone prior to them vacating and saying to them, these are my expectations. This is, this is the checklist. This is what you need to follow because we understand that it's an overwhelming process but we need to work together and let's not forget we are there to provide you with your next X, Y, Z rental reference. So how you leave that property is all in your I don't want to turn this into a a session on file inspections and I reckon you're (laughs) going to do an episode just on that. All right, but let's get back to this is people. This is why we need to make sure when we do a routine inspection that it's the best standard possible and we keep it and take it back to the next, to the best standard possible. If it's not, at the standard that we should. Now, of course, you've got legislation to deal with, you know, whether you can return in, in seven or 14 days to do a recheck only on those things. Or of course, there is that, um, that issue now, if you start pointing at other things, um, you can only go back on what you've pointed out. You've just got to work out how legislation works for you, but you need to go back and make sure it's kept to that standard. So um, that, that's mm-hmm. really important. So, you know, let, let's move on now. Let's talk about suspicious things, Linda. Um, and what are some of the suspicious things that people really should be looking out for? What, what are the typical things? Okay, so when I go through, there's a, a couple of things that we um, look out for. And one is if pets are not permitted at the property and you happen to see a dog bowl, the dog bone in the backyard, the dog ball, like all the pet paraphernalia, um, that's certainly an indication as to, um, you know, p- potentially there may be a pet at the property. Um, then there's yeah, let, let me just also... Stop there. I've got a funny story for you, all right? So you yeah. may have heard this before, but I don't think I've, I've told this one. So I was speaking to a, um, a, a property manager one day who was booking her dogs into a kennel. She was going away, and so she was taking her doggies to a boarding kennel so that the boarding kennel can look after them while she's away. And she, she was in conversation with the, uh, the boarding kennel owner and the owner asked her, hey, what do you do for a job? And she says, I'm a property manager. And he started to giggle. And she said, why are you giggling? Why are you laughing? He says, oh, the amount of tenants that come here and use our service just for routine inspection day. And this mm-hmm. is the, the stupid thing is, is that 
they know their routine inspections coming up. They get rid of the dog. But as you said, they leave the doggy bowl, the doggy blankets, the doggy, the doggy this, the doggy that, the doggy hair, the doggy do's, um, and all the paraphernalia. And they, yeah. and they just, because they, it was a rush job, but they got rid of the dog or the pet. So yeah, it's interesting absolutely. to say that, but that's typically what a lot of pet tenants do. They just don't get rid of the evidence of the dog. Yeah. They have the cat scratcher there and then there's fur everywhere and then you say, oh, I didn't realise that you had a cat at the property. No, I don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> so, okay, Linda, let's talk about, um, you know, you've been in property management 27 years. I've been in over 30. Yeah. I've done thousands of routine inspections in my career. I used to be a full-time property inspector doing all in-goings, outgoings, move-in, move-outs and routine inspections full-time on lower socioeconomic suburbs here in Adelaide. Um, mm -hmm. But um, goodness, I just had a mind blank. Oh my goodness. What, what was I saying? The other things that we look out for is maybe the, um, that rooms are blocked off or they won't give us access to garages yep. and stuff like that because they um, may have, like even if the, the windows are coated in, you know, black, black plastic or newspaper or something to that effect because they're night shift workers and then they won't give you access to that room, but potentially that could be a hydroponic setup in there. It could so be. And I think the, the, the hydroponic thing is an interesting thing because generally in property management, we have two types of drugs that we've got to mm -hmm. be careful of or the warning signs of illicit drug production as opposed to them you know, with a, if we see a bong on a table or something like that, but it, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's generally the hydroponic marijuana or it's mm -hmm. the methamphetamine. And Absolutely. each has an evil unto itself of what it does to the rental property. Of course, mm -hmm. with um, hydroponic marijuana, um, it messes up. They, they just screw up the electrics, the water damage, the disrespect to the property, the, the tampering with the, the, um, the, the, the electricity meter, um, it, it's all bad. Thousands and thousands and thousands. At the end of the day, people, you need to ensure your owners have quality landlord insurance, insurance. Um, yep. period. All right. Um, yep. you, you know, certainly in Australia, we've got um, a quality landlord insurer will be able to cover for this type of damage, but of course, speak to them specifically on it. Our Americans, um, check out Shore, Shore Investor. Um, I'm not sure they cover against this type of damage though, but certainly things like rent default and so forth. But you can check out on that and just look up sureinvestor.com. In Australia, there's a number of different quality brands, which we won't get into at the moment. But um, the interesting thing is the, the, um, the, the um, decriminalization um, of what's happening in the world at the moment on marijuana. So if we go to California, um, Nevada, places like that, um, marijuana um, is, is now being decriminalized and is openly sold over the counter, which means it yep. goes from the black market underground to um, you know, mainstream, which yep. then kills off the, uh, the hydroponic marijuana industry. So mm -hmm. I know that's going to come here one day. I'm not here to debate whether that's good for us or not. I've got my own opinions about drugs, mm -hmm. but um, I can only think that, you know, when that eventually gets legislated right now, um, medical marijuana use is uh, becoming a lot more acceptable. It will get to a stage, I'm sure, where marijuana is going to be made legal um, and then that will kill off that. But then we're left with methamphetamine production, which um, is a, 
is a is a, an evil unto itself. Um, the toxicity mm -hmm. and the, the the contamination that causes to rental properties. Um, you know, we're seeing uh, claims of 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 thousand dollars, even over a hundred grand. We're not just the decontamination process that's involved, but also the re-renovating of the property. Because anything that can take, you know, a carpets and curtains and um, cupboards and everything have to be completely stripped out. Um, mm -hmm. the, the whole property gutted and then re-put back together again with new stuff um, as part of that decontamination. So um, I, I think, you know, and, and I, I think in another time, Linda, I, I'll, we'll do a whole episode on the, the warning signs of illicit drug production. I've got, we've got mm -hmm. a whole episode just on that. And so yeah. um, what, are, what are, I mean, at the end of the day, you just got to have your radar on, but Linda, let's just say that we come across a, a hydro setup or we come across a lab, um, what's the best thing a property manager can do in that situation? I would report that to the police. Would the property manager get on the phone right there and then and make the phone call? Uh, if the tenants are home, probably not because I wouldn't want that confrontation. I think the, the property manager needs to um, calmly leave the property. Absolutely. Um, cover because otherwise you're in their episode. They've got to calmly yep. leave the property. You've got your own safety at stake here. Um, yep. And uh, you need to calmly go to your car. You need to calmly get back to work, go talk to the boss, talk to the owner, report it to the owner. You need to put it in writing to the owner immediately. Um, the insurer would need to be informed immediately. And the police need to be informed, of course, uh, because otherwise we're jeopardizing any possible insurance claim in future if we're not following Correct. these steps. Um, but um, yeah, just certainly, you know, looking out for suspicious, you know, warning signs is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And also additional occupants as well. Yeah. That's another thing that you come across is whether or not there's extra bedding in rooms. Um, you lease the property to a single woman, but you are in the bathroom and you see men's aftershave and men's shaving equipment and so on and so on. And again, I mean, tenants can form relationships. That's not a problem whatsoever. But she could have the boyfriend living there because absolutely. she doesn't want her welfare payments to be affected because she's got a living boyfriend and all those sorts of things as well. And, and exactly. um, or, or extra occupants. I've had property managers talk about how they look for um, those uh, pull out beds, those um, trundles, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, beds made and pushed under another bed, um, all those sort of things and covering up, um, you know, uh, the bedding. Um, and that also comes back down to how many occupants are allowed in the actual property itself under your agency agreement as well. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. Hi everyone, Michael from Teams by Design. We've just recently launched our after-hour phone service. What that means for you is we can now answer your phone calls from 5 p.m. Monday through Friday and all day Saturday and Sunday. We can help you with inquiries such as property inquiry, leasing inquiry, maintenance support and new business inquiries. So please make sure you head to teamsbydesign.com, leave your information, we'll arrange a Zoom and catch up and show you how we can help you through this. One more thing, I want to go back to pets and then we'll move out of the suspicious stuff. Let's say mm -hmm. the tenant is allowed to um, have a pet. Um, mm -hmm. And look, you know, things have changed over 27 years, Linda. That's what I was getting to before when I had my mind blank. Um, yeah. You know, right back 27 years ago, we were, you know, as property managers, 
we were we could get away with saying no pets, no pets, no pets. People had to get rid of their dog, their cat, but people don't have dogs and cats anymore. They've got fur babies. Um, and Correct. the there's a lot more legislation coming in now where an owner can't say no to a pet, like in, I think it's mm -hmm. in Victoria. Is that happening in New South Wales? No, not not yet in New South Wales. They're talking there's about it, though, strata, Yeah, some strata yeah. Um, things happening at the moment with, you know, strata complexes and whatnot. Yeah. But at the moment, it's in New South Wales, it's still at the owner's discretion. And so, for example, we've had a property just recently where pets were um, permitted upon application, of course, initially, and the tenant was approved to have a staffy, which is perfectly fine, medium-sized dog for this particular yard space. So that's, you know, we need to take into consideration um, everything and the well-being of the pet too, because if there's not enough yard space or if it's only concrete and there's nowhere for the pet to do its business, you're relying on the actual owner to walk the dog, et cetera, et cetera. So um, this particular property, when we went back, to do the third or fourth routine inspection, that staffy has now become a Dalmatian, which is a completely different type of pet and potentially too big for that, that yard space as well. So when we went back to the tenants, of course, they, their understanding was it was pets considered. So they, they didn't realise that they were doing the wrong thing. So, yeah, yeah but yeah. obviously they are because, again, uh, it's okay to approve a, a Shih Tzu because it's a small-sized dog. It may not necessarily be okay to approve a Great Dane. It depends on the actual yard space, etc. Yeah, and different dogs have different behavioural patterns as well. Even with puppies, accepting a puppy, um, I, my goodness me, if I get a tenant that says, look, I've got a brand-new Labrador puppy, um, I'm already cringing because I know puppies, you know, when mummy and daddy are away, children will play and puppies get Park all day. chew. Um, anything plastic is going to get pulled up. It's going to get chewed. I've seen washing line um, handles chewed, um, tap parts chewed, landscaping ripped up, um, yeah. all sorts of things chewed. Um, you know, and, and it can cause a real problem. And I've, I've yeah. seen that. So these are the sort of things that, you know, you certainly have to be aware of. Let, let's just keep on moving on with this. Let's talk about damage. And Linda, you wanted to talk about looking out for damage. What are the sort of things we're looking for? So if pets are permitted at the property, um, one of the things that we like tend to check as well is the um, mesh on the back security screen doors and whatnot, because tenants, assume that it's okay for them if if the mesh is damaged like the dog or the cat's torn it with their claws that they can just leave that there until the time of vacating but my understanding is we're there to mitigate the owner's loss throughout the tenancy that's our sole purpose as a property manager so if i allow any form of damage so whether that even be a burn mark on the kitchen bench or you know where they've which generally they try and cover with um, a placemat or something that will ask them to move. Um, if we don't address that there and then, the depreciation is already lost for the owner. So the tenant may live there for five years. At the end of the tenancy, what became 100% repair if we had have addressed it there and then becomes a 50% repair. So then it becomes an owner's cost. Another example is if they're not cleaning their oven, 
then that baked on grime can be a potential fire risk in itself. It also can stop the actual function of the oven working. So then the owner again is up for a wear and tear cost. Exhaust fan in bath, bathrooms, that's another thing. That's my absolute pet hate. And that's not because your tenant's dirty by any means. That's simply because people undress in bathrooms, they shake their towels, it's lint and it, it's built up. But if it's not cleaned and if they're only cleaning these items every six months, at least they're being cleaned and at least we're being proactive in mitigating our owner's loss for the end yep. of the tenancy. So yep. again, it comes back to doing this to make sure that there's not going to be you know, a, a big drama at the end of the tenancy itself. Now, you also mentioned depreciation issues. What, what was that about? So the depreciation, our owners um, lose 10% depreciation each year. So a, a screen that if I'm asking the tenant to rectify whatever damage it is there and then, and we do, we send them a 14-day notice and tell them that it's damaged to the property, it's tenant negligence, it needs to be rectified. Um, then they're replacing it um, like true form. So they have to actually replace the screen there and then. But if I was to allow that to get to the end of the tenancy and it ended up in the tribunal, for example, the tribunal must, that I must, by law, take into consideration depreciation. So depending on what it is, so carpets, so iron burn marks in carpets is another classic example. Um, yeah, so we just need to make sure that it's not going to be a loss to the owner if they attend to it there and then. And I know it's confrontation, but it's confrontation as property managers we have to tackle. And the worst thing that a property manager could do too at a routine inspection, particularly if your tenant's home, is to leave that routine inspection without addressing anything and then sending them a little email and say, hey, by the way, I noticed that your exhaust fan needed to be cleaned, your oven needed to be cleaned because you've already been there face to face, you need to address it there and then, because otherwise their assumption is, that was a great inspection, nothing was brought to my attention. So you don't want then to get them offside by shooting through an email that then they'll be all defensive because you had that opportunity face to face. And, and of course, if the tenant isn't there, then you're going to have to address it. But at the end of the day, you and I agree yeah. that a property has to be kept in the best um, condition possible um, and kept reasonably clean, uh, damage-free throughout the tenancy. So we have an obligation at that point to, um, to get it back Raise to the state issues. that it needs to be in the best condition possible at all time. I think we've got, that, we've got that message. And also, you know, I think we've touched on, you know, you can be taken to task as well, no doubt with a tribunal member or a court or something like that. If you haven't taken the tenant to task at that time, um, they could use that argument against you that this was, you know, it's been there for three years and property manager never said anything, blah, blah, blah. Another reason why we've got to take the tenant to task on the issue when it's been identified. So, absolutely, um, you know, well done on that. Let, let's move on. Let's now talk about another issue that I know. Um, and now, I can start putting on my own property owner's hat now because I get routine inspections sent to me. My property manager uses the inspection manager app. Uh, I love it. I think it's great. I think um, it's it's certainly one of the best inspection apps out there. Um, if you guys aren't using Inspection Manager, go and check it out. Go to inspectionmanager.com.au, ask for a demo. But as a property owner, I really like it because it has a lot of 
freeform detail on there. So it's not some standard template that the property manager is forced to use and they have to use that standard wording. They've got the freedom to put in their own comments. They can make comments on the photos. They can drop the photos in. They make comments on the photos. They can put little pointers on the photos to point out something in the photo. It, it allows me as a property owner to have a really good clear snapshot of what's going on at the property and it connects me to my property and keeps me up to date. And so one of the big mistakes I see out there is a lack of detail and an ocean or too many white spaces in these routine inspections because people, whether or not you're charging for a routine inspection, and I believe you should be, but that's not up for our topic today. Um, if you're charging for a routine inspection or not is irrelevant, if the owner feels that he's not getting his value for money because you're lacking detail in your routine inspection, they will have a sense of a loss of value. Mm -hmm. And now it doesn't matter what your fee is or your management fee, they may now be focusing on, well, hang on, I'm not getting my money's worth. You could be the cheapest agent in town, people. And still mm -hmm. the owner is going to think I'm not getting my money's worth. So even you could be the cheapest and they still want you to go cheaper. So don't create yourself an environment where the owner is going to have a sense of a loss of value. You've got to make sure at this point, you really got to, you're, there's two main places that a property manager justifies their services to an owner in the in-between a move-in and a move-out. And that's, it's two main ways. The routine inspection, you need to provide value. And that statement that lands in the owner's email inbox once a month. They're the two places that you could either prove value to the owner and prove your value of being a property management service, or there is a sense of loss of value. You can go either way. And so your routine inspections have to be really, really, um, need to be you know, as, as informative as they can be without copy and pasting the last inspection and just dropping that in. And the owner's thinking, well, hang on, that was written last time. Um, or just boring, no information. Um, you know, Linda, what's your feelings on that? I totally agree. So with our routine inspection reports, we reflect every room in the property. So that the owner knows that we have been into every single room. Um, when uh, Another thing that I actually do write on there, so we, we'll put as much detail as we possibly can. So we'll say that that room was good or if there was an issue, then... Of course, we take a photo and have more detailed comments as to what what it may be. So even if it is that um, the door stops loose, because we check all of the doors that they open and close, if the door stops loose, it needs to be adjusted and tightened, etc. Um, a $50 repair of a door not closing properly because it's slightly out of alignment, whether it be hinges needing adjustment or the door needs to be planed, is better to be picked up there and then at that routine inspection than that turning into a thousand dollar repair where we have to replace whole door jams etc um, i like to make our our inspection reports as detailed as we possibly can room by room guttering fences etc but what i don't like to write is that the property is immaculate 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 even though it may very well be because potentially then i've had owners over the years that have thought well I don't need to have a, a property manager manage my property because I know you've told me it's immaculate. So I like to keep it as good as it possibly can be without going that extra step so that 
I keep it in line with the fact that they need me. So they, they can't do it all on their own. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. And, you know, I, I've actually just realised there's another podcast episode I'm going to have to do on doing um, virtual routine inspections and doing them. Um, and that's another topic for another day. So I think we'll leave that one alone. But uh, I think people yeah. look out for an upcoming episode on virtual routine inspections because in the days of COVID, that's opened open up a lot of um, different ways of doing things and uh, things would never would have even considered a year ago people are doing now so um, yeah. but we're talking today about being at the property doing a real routine inspection let's move on here's another big issue Linda um, mm -hmm. so uh, property manager does a routine inspection um, the tenants reported XYZ and repairs property manager comes back three or six months later to do the next routine inspection says to the tenant hey have you got any repairs tenant reports the same X, Y, Z or Z inspection uh, repairs items from last time. And it's like, hang on, the, the tenants reported these already, what's going on? And a lot of property managers out there make this key mistake. Um, and as a property owner, I've identified this in myself that when I'm here and I'm sitting at my desk and I'm, you know, I'm doing my work and suddenly there's an email in my inbox from a property manager with my routine inspection and I open up my inspection manager um, report um, and I'll quickly look and oh yeah I'll get to this I shut it down and I don't get back to it mm -hmm. and so uh, and I don't do that all the time but property managers out there they send the reports thinking not only is the owner going to open it not only they're going to read it all not only they're going to see all the repairs but now they're going to you know report it back um, and before you know it it hasn't happened and that's why in three or six months you go back and it's the same deja vu it's like well, it's because you didn't, the, the owner just didn't do what you wanted them to do. So we've got to be aware of what I call this X factor or human factor here. Now, Linda, as an experienced professional property manager in the day and age of, of cloud and, you know, we've got, our, we've got our iPad or we've got our iPhone, um, you know, uh, I think reporting and dealing with the repairs in that moment is what we've got to do. How do you do that? Okay, so we um, tell all of our tenants that they any repairs, when they become evident, they need to log them straight into the portal. So straight into Property Me, which will, for, in our case, be through to Maintenance Manager. And then if, if we're there and they're showing me whatever it is that may need um, attention, I can see that, so that's good because then I have my own interpretation of how it is, but I won't take that on board. I make sure that they are then logging that repair so that then that paper trail is not missed. So they log the repair, it's then followed up through the processes through having those systems in place. Um, back in the day, before we had those um, other sources on hand, then I would have to actually have all of the, like a copy of the report in like a paper folder. So I'm talking a long time ago to be able to look back through and that that actual routine inspection wasn't finalized until all of those repairs were actually addressed. Mm. Because and you I, can't old, let them old go. Days I would get a repair request form from the tenant all filled in and I'll make sure it's filled in before I leave. I'll then have a carbon copy of my routine inspection and I'll yeah. put that aside and put that into a pile. And then the, and then I have, and then the repair request would get done on the forms when I get back to the office. But here is the key. You talked about actioning it at the time. And I think that is really good. And, and I know yeah. 
I didn't have the, the opportunity of having an app, having an iPhone, having an iPad, all those things when I was doing routine inspections, but dealing with those repairs. And that really does go back to now, you, a proper manager might say, well, I've got to call the owner um, for all the repairs, but we need to go a step back here, right back to when we're signing up the owner, we need to be uh, forthright that um, we need a, a maintenance expenditure limit from the owner. Yeah. Um, and we're not to just ask for one. We're going to say, hey, look, this is our company policy. We need to spend up to $300, for example. That might cover most things um, yeah. without getting permission first. The reason why, Mr. Owner, we need to do this, we need to work fast on it because in this day and age, if a tenant even thinks that, once they've reported a repair, that we're even dragging the chain or anything taken delay, we're knowing tenants that are going to tribunal or court really quickly and getting awarded compensation, compensation. because yeah. they felt it was the process was taking too slow. And Mr. Owner, mm -hmm. we want to avoid that and not turn a, 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 a repair into an expensive job with the repair cost, then the compensation cost. And that's why we need to have a $300 limit or whatever it is. People, you need to give a very strong reason to the owner. And if you give an explanation like that, you're going to have most owners just say, okay. But if you say, well, our policy is Mr. Owner, we'll call you every time. Well, guess who's just made their job a whole heap harder. Um, so it coming down to how you express at the start, yeah, you're not going to get every owner across the line with this expenditure limit. But now at the property, we can see, you know, that the tap is leaking. This needs to be fixed. That doorknob needs to be fixed. We can now book it, put it through the system, get the tradesperson or in America, they call them vendors onto it. And before you know it, we've now cut out a part of the system of having to contact the owner. And now the owner is getting, being told that it's getting done because the communications have been set up. So, that's just a point there. A lot of property managers get wrong at the at the owner induction, Linda. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yep, yeah, it's all about educating your owners at the end of the day. Um, and um, people out there, just understand, Linda. What I'm going to ask you: What's the biggest complaint that property owners have about property managers? What's the number one complaint? The fail, failure in communication. The so lack of communication. Correct. Yeah. But the biggest complaint that tenants have about owners and property managers is repairs. And so, Correct. you know, well, that's why people in this day and age, we've got to get onto it quickly. So Linda, I think we'll, we'll wrap this up. Um, we did have some other notes here. I think we'll leave, but I think this has been a really good episode um, on how to, you know, do more effective routine inspections. I think, you know, your experience um, is, um, um, is, is priceless um, mm -hmm. And, you know, your input has been great. And um, just want to say thanks, everyone, for listening. But, Linda, I think we've got, um, you know, we've got another episode here of, a, of doing a final inspection at some stage. Beautiful. Cool. <laughs> All right, well, thanks, everybody. And um, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Awesome. Thanks, Darren.